So, Mark. Yes? This week's movie begins with a sexy Santa photo shoot. Mm, Sexy is a stretch, I'd say, for the quality of the photos. I'm not saying it's a successful sexy Santa photo shoot. That is the intention. Even an unsuccessful sexy Santa photo shoot is still a sexy Santa photo shoot in a certain sexy way. Yeah. Okay, I will grant you this. So, my question is, if you had to theme a promotional photo shoot around a sexified holiday character from any holiday, what would you choose? Now, or rather, whom would you choose? Obviously, the easy go-to is the Easter Bunny. How do you make the Easter Bunny sexy is the issue. Redundant. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, isn't it already? If there's one thing bunnies are famous for, it's having sex. (laughs) Exactly. But then I was thinking... Now, they're not related to a holiday, but they're in the film Rise of the Guardians, which is centered around Santa, so I don't know. Uh, We will cover that movie on this podcast one day. It is a DreamWorks animation picture. I don't remember it being terrible, but boy, is that line really soft (laughs) when it comes to DreamWorks. But my thought is, I think a there's so many products centered around sleep. You could do a sexy Sandman. Uh, Mark, also, of course, featured in the Santa Claus 2, which we have covered on this podcast. Wait, the Sandman was in the Santa Claus 2? Yeah, he's always falling asleep. Because he's the Sandman. Yeah, at the meeting of the Council Uh of Mythical Creatures. Oh, right. Yes. But there's so many. You could do mattresses. You could do natural seep supplements. And then you just cast a bunch of... You know, shirtless guys to sprinkle sand on each Some other. Some instagays. Exactly. <laughs> this kind of works. Throw <laughs> sand at each other. This clearly would work. Yeah, because it's essentially a beach shoot, but it's in a bed. So you're taking two sexy places and putting them together. And you can throw in Spider-Man just for fun, because <laughs> Sandman, he fights him. <laughs> just a little Peter Parker in the background. A little Easter egg for people. So, I was thinking in a different direction. At first, you know, back when we talked about Yankee Doodle Dandy, I was singing the praises of Flag Day. Flag Day, of course, does not have a character associated with it. It's just the flag. But I do think I would be interested in seeing the sexy Uncle Sam photo shoot for the 4th of July. I gotta say, the original Uncle Sam is probably sexier than you remember. He's kind of got muscles. Are you talking about the James Montgomery flag poster? I'm just talking about, like, most original Uncle Sam's. They made him kind of butch. Yeah, so I'm saying we return to the roots of the character, keep the suspenders, lose the shirt, let him show off those those fine American guns. Lose the pants, make it an American flag speedo. It's flag day. But he's still gotta have the top hat. The top hat is key. I mean, I do have to say, we already have one sexy Uncle Sam. And that's the dean in the student body president election episode in, obviously, his sister's Uncle Sam costume. Josh, what did you do? He found a buff Uncle Sam, and he's very pleased with it. And I pointed out, it is by James Montgomery Flagg. I knew what I was talking about. You did. It is a buff Uncle Sam. But I'm like, damn. I know my propaganda. If your last name is Flagg, do you have a choice about what you do? Flagg with two Gs. All right, Josh. I am extremely curious what you have come up with for this. Uh, I think the holiday that I would pick to, you know, become sexy because, you know, it's all about Josh, did you pick Columbus Day? No, why would I ever? (laughs) I picked Juneteenth. I mean. I just think there could be a Harriet Tubman, you know, just kind of in a bikini. Do we need sexy Harriet Tubman? (laughs) They already cast Cynthia Erivo. (laughs) We do have Cynthia Erivo. That is a very good point. Thank you. But I'm just thinking of things that corporations would be like, you know what this needs? Sex. No, we just we just got corporations to stop using images of black people, <laughs> and now we're like, bring them back. Come on down to Kia for your Juneteenth sale. <laughs> oh my God, Abercrombie does their Juneteenth promotion where it's just all black models that are shirtless outside the store. <laughs> yep, liberate yourself from bad deals. We've got forty percent off. <gasps> Josh, this is. <laughs> Get out of here. I should be hired as an as an ad marketer because these ideas just keep coming. It's just right? so depressing because this will happen next June. <laughs> like we laugh now, but this is just gonna be a premonition for next year. It's, it's gonna be some Frederick Douglass impersonator, like, 
what to the slave is the 4th of July without big savings at mattress discounters? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, come on down to your Honda dealer for Juneteenth. You'll free you from <laughs> APR financing. I don't know. <laughs> I've never bought a car. Something stupid like that. I have bought a car and still don't know. Your car was a Happy Meal toy, to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> like, you just get a Subaru Forester if you buy enough Happy Meal toys. They're very... It's a great camp. They had one of those punch cards. <laughs> you bought 2,000 McNuggets. Oh, God. <laughs> get a Subaru Forester free. <laughs> Speaking of Subaru Foresters, today we're talking about a gay movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, wait a minute. Is that a gay car? It's a lesbian car. It's a lesbian car. It's the uh, okay. lesbian car. It's the safest car on the road to go with your Birkenstocks. This is actually a stereotype that does exist, Will. We are not making this up. No, I believe you. I just have nothing to contribute as a straight person who doesn't own a car. I know a shocking number of queer women that own Subarus, too. And me. Apparently they're great cars, from what I'm told. It is a great car. It drives very well. Subaru, I, hire me to do the ad copy for your Juneteenth. Thank you. <laughs> when I had to go to school unvaccinated, I borrowed a car to avoid riding the bus. It was a Subaru, and it drove pretty well. It's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. Juneteenth, coming to you. The amount of Subarus on the road does lend itself to many people having Subarus of all sexualities. But also, it's the lesbian car. Well. Speaking of lesbians, they're not in this movie, but there are gay men. Should we get started? Let's do it. We're, we're going to have a lot to say both about this movie and about the movie that it isn't. <laughs> Welcome to We Love the Love, a Hollywood romance podcast. I'm Mark and I'm gay. And I'm Will and I'm a ginger. This is an investigative podcast dedicated to examining one of the least important issues facing the world today. Does Hollywood holiday romance actually make any sense? And are these holiday people actually dateable? Or even likable. It doesn't matter if the romance is the main holiday plot or a one-scene holiday flirtation. We will dig in and see what's there this holiday season. Something tells me that there will never be a holiday one-scene flirtation. Because holiday movies are intrinsically romantic for no real reason. Well, I mean, it would have to be, like, if we did one of those, like, kind of a Christmas movies. Like, if we did, like, Lethal Weapon, then, Mm. like... There might be a one-scene thing of romance in Lethal Weapon. I've never seen it. What about, like, the original Grinch? like Or, like, the Gremlins. I genuinely thought you meant, like, the nativity story for a second. When you said, like, one of those Christmas movies. And I was just like, I mean, I assume Joseph and Mary have a relationship. They are married (laughs) at this point. Does their romance make sense, though? (laughs) I mean, this would be a fascinating (laughs) question, too. I have only seen part of the Nativity Story starring Oscar Isaac as Joseph, but we could perhaps do it. It might probably be a bad idea. Um, anyway, as is very clear by this point, this week we are welcoming back our good friend Josh Street to talk about how he and I were robbed by Netflix's new Christmas movie, Single All the Way. Howdy, hey there, and I am full of rage. Yeah, so the thing is, Josh and I used to live together, and we had... Uh, one of those Google Home Minis. That we got for free. From Spotify. Which should have been the first hint. Right. We all know that those machines, your Google Homes, your Alexas, uh, the Alexa Play, if you're a night before Christmas kind of guy, these are listening to you all the time. Always. They ha- they literally have to be to function because like Alexa has to be listening to hear you say, Alexa, like do this thing. But what we learned is the Google Home Mini that we got that is actually still in my current apartment was listening to us develop a great idea for a Thanksgiving TV movie. An amazing idea. It was beautiful. Yeah. So we have this idea. We wrote like a whole two pages of it (laughs) and then did nothing. We had the entire thing scripted out though. Like mind map. Plotted out, yeah. Mind map. And then we did nothing with it for three years. And then Netflix had the audacity. Audacity to come behind us. And have this movie that is Vaguely similar. <laughs> With a very similar plot and probably better better uh, story than we thought we could. Okay, well, here's where I kind of disagree. I think ours has a better story. It is more fun. It's ridiculous. I think Single All the Way is the better okay. movie than Friendsgiving would have been. Ours had more hijinks. 
It was all hijinks. It was, there was never going to be anything but hijinks. So the premise of Friendsgiving, uh, or as Josh sometimes called it, Homo for the Holidays. <laughs> Such a great title. Was that it, the main characters are heavily based on the two of us. <laughs> heavily. So <laughs> the, the straight dude discovers that he cannot go home for Thanksgiving because... His parents are like, our children are adults, and we want to be able to do our own thing. And they're going on a cruise. <laughs> so I'm like, I, I have nowhere to go for Thanksgiving. And Josh is like, well, I guess you could come home to my family. My mom's always telling me to bring more people. And I think it's a thing where, like, you're sick of being asked if you're dating anybody. And you really want those holiday leftovers. I want those holiday leftovers. So the plan is, <laughs> we're going to show up and pretend to be dating and just do that. So great. it is the initial premise of this movie. Except that in this movie, they're both gay. And they end up together. That was not going to be the thing in ours. In ours, we show up. Then it gets snowed in. So we're trapped, like, like super snowed yeah, in. You like, you can't a, really drive can't at all. You can't go to a hotel or anything. You got to be right there. We're all in the house, like the big extended family and all that. Um, I think there was a neighbor who was into you, like a neighbor girl who, like, never really processed no, that you were I gay. I think you were into my no, no, no. sister. I was into your sister, but I think the neighbor girl was flirting with you. <laughs> Because we had hijinks. I thought it was a real gay guy that was like, oh, I could be with him, but I've already committed to this bit. I can't stop this bit. Oh, well, then we, I mean, that's better. We should do we that. We should do that. All right, write that, make a note make of that. Make a note of that. Find okay. the Google Doc. This is single all the this way, is, too. Single all the way is different <laughs> enough we could get away with this. And so, yeah, so then, like, uh, Josh's sister and I start kind of, like, making eyes at each other. But I have been introduced as a gay dude who is dating him. So she's like, I don't know what's going on here. And I'm like doing karaoke in the basement. Because there's a karaoke scene in the basement. Because my family canonically does karaoke every Thanksgiving. Right. So I'm like trying to like sing and like be intense and like get her. Uh, I don't know. We didn't resolve it. <laughs> I assume we ended up together. I think you do. I think at one point you make out in a bathroom or something. Yeah, and it's a whole scandal. Again, hijinks. Left Somebody right. walks in on us. And it's like, <sighs> gasp. Mark, tell us this would not be in the top tier of TV holiday romances. Um, I will say, Single All the Way to Homo for the Holidays is a great title. <laughs> Isn't it? Isn't it great? And we could we could be the neighbors of uh, uh, the characters in this movie. We're just also living this vaguely nor- upper New York. They say it's New Hampshire. New Hampshire, perfect. But like, no, no, it's like the Season of the Witch style sequel where it's like, a spiritual continuation, but none of the same characters or anything like that. And as we all know, audiences hated Season of the Witch. <laughs> I mean, we could have a, a, a cameo by Emmett, the dog. Oh. I think just in the background, like, one of your, like, young, like, nieces is reading the Emmett yes. book. Oh, the Saving Emmett and Saving Emmett. They're reading Saving Emmett 2 about their relationship. About Emmett moves to New Hampshire. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, oh, that's where we are in this same town. Weird. Now, this movie... I feel like we cracked it. I think it would work. ...could be very entertaining. And it could also be hugely uncomfortable for the audience if executed <laughs> slightly <laughs> less than perfectly. <laughs> yeah. And that's where, like, I think Netflix played it safe. Mm-hmm. And that's fine if you want to be the kind of people who play it safe. <laughs> you mean Netflix? But I think you're not wrong. <laughs> um, I think we can be a little bolder. I think we can really, like, get to the heart of what the holiday is about. Which Hygiene. is... I was going to say, <laughs> flirting with your friend's sister. That too. Holidays could be about multiple things. Hijinks and flirting with your friend's sister. Or brother, because you know we're inclusive here oh, yeah. on We Love the Love. That's why we're doing the gay movie. No, we're doing the gay movie because they stole our idea. You and I, Variety announced this in March they of did. 2021. We put it on the schedule then. Ah, we were ready for Because it. we were planning to have this conversation <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> Mission accomplished. There was uh, anger when this was released. I'm pretty sure I'm Will texted more me mad about at how it. delightful it is than anything. Because I'm like, God damn it, this is cute. I texted everyone <laughs> when this announcement came out. Yep, that tracks. <laughs> all right, but we should talk about the less bold the version less. of idea, uh, single all the way, which, as we record, came out like five days ago on Netflix. It came out just this past Thursday, and. It seems like it's doing well. Who can tell with Netflix? But it is consistently showing up in their top ten. So I guess people are watching it. It's a lot better than Red Notice. Did you watch Red Notice? I did. Why? The day it came out. Were you, like, sick? <laughs> what is Red Notice? I was like, I have to see what happens here. It is oh, Mark, exactly as bad as Mark, you're not straight enough to know what Red Notice is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Red Notice is 
Netflix's attempt to do like a tentpole movie entirely on Netflix. So it's The Rock and Ryan Reynolds and Gal Gadot doing like a globe spanning heisty thing. The thing is, COVID happened. And so they couldn't travel to do it. So the entire movie's in front of a green screen. They were planning on traveling for it, but instead, it's all pretty bad looking in front of a green screen. I watched none of it. Josh apparently watched all of it. I watched all of it, and it is a bad movie made better by good actors. Are you going to watch Red Notice 2? It is coming out. Yes, I am. I, I, I am ashamed to say, yes, I am watching Red Notice 2, and I will also be watching Red Notice 3. I've seen all of the Fast and Furious movies. Those yes, are I'm good, Those are good movies. <laughs> Those are good movies. This is a, oh, this is good. Josh. In a very bad way movie. <laughs> F9 had giant magnets that made cars go <laughs> flying across the street. They went to space in F9, which means yeah. in F10, they have to up that. How do you go beyond space? And I'm guessing time. Either time or dimensional travel is about to I happen. really want to see the time travel Fast and Furious where they're back in time racing horses with their souped up cars. Or they like put nitrous on the back of a horse. <laughs> like Back to the Future 3. Or, no, no, no. You go the dimension one. Mark, you know the big baby from 2001? The big baby? At the end of 2001, the big space oh, baby. Oh, the space baby, yes. I thought you meant yeah. an actual, like, big baby. Just a baby who was born in 2001. No, yeah. So, I'm telling you, big baby riding a motorcycle like Bart Harley Jarvis. <laughs> <laughs> I want them to go back in time and race with themselves. Because, you know, Ooh. the only one you can really trust is family. And who's more family than me? Dominic this? Toretto. Is a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> Two Vin Diesels are better than one. <laughs> Two so that, families are better than one. That's two movies we've cracked <laughs> on this episode. <laughs> doing this. Let's get Red Oh, God. If they don't do time travel with Vin Diesel teaming up with past Vin Diesel, I will be sad. So single all the way. Ah, uh, yes. Um, I was delightfully surprised by this. My... Same. Expectations for these things are always rock bottom, uh, especially since we watched Candy Coated Christmas not that long ago. <sighs> and, you know, single all the way, it, it's not like great cinema, but it is so much better than it has any right to be. The performances are really nice. The jokes actually work. Like, I said this to Mark when we were watching it. We are usually laughing at these movies. And watching single all the way, very often, we are laughing at jokes that were in the movie on purpose. Yeah. It was, and it was fun. When you say that, it sounds like a ludicrously <laughs> low bar. And it is, to be clear. We've but all it was seen a, the Princess Switch. But it was a genuinely fun movie. Like, I am in the weird position of unironically recommending Single All the Way if you want a holiday romance. It's probably up there among my holiday romances. And if we're going in terms of, like, enjoying the movie as it was meant to be enjoyed, it's number one with a bullet of the made-for-TV movie ones. Yeah, without question. With a big space towards number two, because the rest are (laughs) generally bad. At the end of the day, I don't think I enjoy this genre that much. Because I really liked this movie, but I have no real, like, desire to see it again. And I think this Christmas market is just so saturated that Christmas movies yes. in general, I kind of inherently get annoyed with. And while it is very clearly written by gay people who like understand gay culture and make solid jokes, it's still a movie that falls into a lot of the Christmas cliches that I find tiresome, personally. Yeah. I'm not ready to say we never do another TV romance, but we maybe don't do two a year anymore. (laughs) Yes. They get so exhausting. Yeah, and I want to do some different kinds of ones. Like, I want to do some of the, like, barely Christmas movies. Let's do Gremlins. (laughs) Do Harry Potter. That's a Christmas movie. We did the horniest Harry Potter. We should see if there is a Lifetime Movie Network murder movie that is set at Christmas and have Melissa come back for it. I would love this. That would be amazing. But that's a you research. Yes, I will I will dig into this for next December. I'll do it in August. I don't care. That sounds awesome. But back to my original thoughts. I 
do think that this movie definitely has its highs for all of the cliches. And by that, I mean Jennifer Coolidge (laughs) is just turning in a spectacular performance. A great performance uh, in a role that was written for her. Oh, it, it is clearly just Jennifer Coolidge. Yeah, like, the movie's written by Chad Hodge, who is mostly a TV guy. He created the Playboy Club, Wayward Pines, stuff like that. And he has said repeatedly that he wrote the character for Jennifer Coolidge long before he had any idea whether she would do the movie. And she's amazing. It's just she's, that the, it, the drunk aunt that just comes through and is like, it's my turn to put on a production. She doesn't steal her scenes. She performs a full Ocean's 13 heist on her scenes. I can't picture any other actor being a drunk aunt screaming at a horde of children at rehearsal for a Christmas pageant called Jesus H. Christ! (laughs) There was a great moment as we were watching this when Mark said, I love Jennifer Coolidge screaming at children literally as I was writing the same thing in my notebook. Like, I literally had this experience in high school where the director was like, to the girl who was playing Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz, I will cut you from this play and play Dorothy myself. And I'm like, you are a grown woman. Please don't do that. And I would have loved to have seen it. I don't know this person, but any drama teacher playing <laughs> Dorothy. Jennifer Coolidge <laughs> shouting at me. And you've got her. God. The moment she walks in. Also, her and Kathy Najimy as sisters is very good casting, too. Ter- terrific amazing. casting. Amazing. Like, really, both of them are amazing comedic actresses, and they do a great job. And uh, also, other jokes. Frankly, Kathy Najimy as a, like, upper New England mom <laughs> obsessed with those stupid signs. The signs! It's pretty funny. They really take the signs. It's a joke that should not keep working. But it does because, like, every time you turn a corner in that house, there's another, like, ever more ridiculous sign. And I think they filmed it and designed it based off of how they filmed it or were switching signs for them to get more ridiculous as more of the house is revealed. The first few are just the normal ones. But by the end, when you get to the one she's making for her kids, I loved them. I mean, like, she must have made so many over the years that now she's like, what else can I do? Here we go. You've made enough live, laugh, love. You gotta go further. <laughs> gotta take it to the next level. My favorite is one they did in an SNL skit where it's like, home is where the hoe and me come together. <laughs> oh, well, that's that's the one where they're all the ones about, like, you're an alcoholic. <laughs> with A.D. Bryant, right? Yeah, with A.D. Bryant. Okay, this one's from me. I think we all had the same idea. <laughs> okay. All right. I like you better when I'm effed up. <laughs> okay. Aww. Here's another small one. Oh. And it's my favorite. Okay. Well, oh, hey, barkeep, I want to die tonight. <laughs> wow. Th- thank you. You're going to run out of wall space soon. <laughs> yeah. Here's one more. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, okay. I drink too much. Aww. I came this close to buying that one. Oh, me too. Me too. That was so funny. (laughs) That was my favorite. (laughs) I don't see the joke in that one, though. Well, it's like, look at me. I drink too much. Yeah, and look, the woman on the sign looks just like you. So, uh, Single All the Way, like we said, uh, written by Chad Hodge. This is his first Christmas movie. And I hope not his last. We always like to clock this when we do our TV Christmas movies. Really, most people, this is their first one. Uh, Philemon Chambers, who plays Nick, this is like his first movie full stop. He has one other credit on IMDb, and it's a short. He is very good for a first film. Yeah, so he went to Juilliard with Michael Urie, and Michael Urie kind of brought him in for this. That's really sweet. According to a Variety story, he is the first black actor in a queer holiday romance, which might be true. I'm not sure who's keeping track, but <laughs> yeah. beautiful. It's good, no, it's good no matter what to have them there. It's great. I feel like there's one that I'm forgetting, but I could be wrong. No, there was a commercial last year for Etsy or something that had a queer black couple. Those Etsy ads are weird. Yeah. Mark, you don't watch live TV, so you don't really see Etsy commercials. Almost every Etsy 
podcast commercial is weird too. So I can't imagine what their TV ones are like. Look, they're advertising during Survivor, you know, when I watch live TV. Uh, The movie's also directed by Michael Mayer, who is mainly a theater guy, but like a big time theater guy. He got a Tony for directing Spring Awakening. He directed the revival of You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, the one from the late 90s that, like, many of people in our generation, or maybe just me, grew up on. <laughs> he did the first Broadway cast of Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Uh, he got a Tony for Third Really Modern Millie. Like, this is, like, a big-time theater guy. Yeah, dang. And this is his fourth movie. His last one was an adaptation of The Seagull. What a shift. <laughs> I was confusing that one with The Lighthouse. That's a different movie. Yeah, there's a seagull in that one, though. Chekhov to... Holiday made-for-TV movie is quite a jump. Just a straight pipeline. Okay, both stories about a family coming together into a sprawling house. But how many signs does the other house have? It depends on your set dresser. Mm, What if you did a production of The Seagull where just unacknowledged (laughs) all these signs are in the background? I would love it. That's the only acknowledgement that it's set in the 21st century, too. In New Hampshire. So are there any other big things we need to say about Single All the Way before we talk about the romance? I mean, I feel like we got the big idea. Like, it is weirdly fun. Oh, um, the wife, uh, one of his sisters, one of, uh... uh, No, Nick is... Peter. One one of Peter's sisters is Jocelyn from Schitt's Creek. And that threw me, just because I've only ever seen her in Schitt's Creek. I have not seen Schitt's Creek, but it is a fun performance. She's the bar owner. Sorry, the pub owner. And... She brings the exact same energy in Schitt's Creek. Yes, very much. Slightly neurotic and, like... <laughs> but is very nice. falling apart maybe but i'm gonna hold it together i just love how little the other sister is in the movie it's bizarre it's like weirdly noticeable how rarely she shows up and how she only has like four lines it's like her only function is to have kids who are can then play a function in the story <laughs> there's honestly no need for Which either like fine i guess for being in the same house, she is not seen enough. No, the sisters are necessary in order to have the kids, because the kids play a big role in the movie, no, and they need to come from something. Jocelyn could just have four kids. Like, they didn't need the second sister. I mean, I guess, like, it's to be like, oh, it's such a big family, guys. Like, I, I think that's huge. the point. It's all about family. It's, everything's big. You got two sisters, and you got... So many nieces and nephews, you're a little, you're a gunkle, and you want to move back for all these people. Your dad and his shockingly large garage. (laughs) Okay, just me, or did anyone else get gay vibes from the dad? All right, here's the thing. The dad said way too much about laying pipes and fixing pipes. (laughs) There's one scene, like, right after Peter and Nick arrive, where there was so much pipe discussion, and not a single person cracks a smile. And I'm like, you are kidding me. This is screaming out for acknowledgement. This is full-on, like, Tobias Fumke needs to walk around with a tape recorder. <laughs> I blew myself. <laughs> Fully, I was like, is he, is he going to come out at the end of this movie as, like, a be truthful at Christmas kind of storyline? But... Apparently not. He's a weird character. He's a weird character. I think it's kind of funny that it's never acknowledged. I will say, I think when that character is introduced and is, like, not super engaged with all the, like, did you bring someone home stuff, you're like, is he not cool with this? And something I appreciate about this is I have never seen a queer holiday romance that was not about coming out in some way. And this is the first Mm -hmm. time I've seen one where it's just, like... They are gay. The happiest season. It is. Un- but, like, happiest season has, like, a big coming out exactly. thing going on. Yeah. And this one, like, they just are gay. And, like, the closest thing to that yeah, getting acknowledged know. is, like, a pretty good joke about, like, Kathy and Jimmy read a book to understand gay people. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, I love that joke. Right. <laughs> and so there's never any drama about, like, whether people will be okay with gayness. It's just, like... There aren't a lot of gay people in small town New Hampshire. It's like, all right, fine. I just love that she keeps saying LGBTT instead of LGBT+. I think she kept adding T's on. (laughs) Yes, she did. (laughs) I think we should probably talk about the romance because given the uh, very intrusive nature of the family, talking about the romance will let us talk about the family as well. Oh my God, this family. Okay. So every week, we break down the romantic plotline of a movie into five points to guide the conversation. Josh, as our guest, would you please take us to point one? Gladly. So usually I come up with fun little names for uh, the points, but this time there was so much that I was just like, I'm just going to 
say uh, exactly what the scene happened because I cannot get over everything that happened in this movie. Okay, point one. Uh, at the beginning of the movie, Peter, played by Michael Yuri, he's deciding to go home for the Christmas holidays and he has a surprise for his family that he's finally not single anymore. Because Bridgewater, New Hampshire, population 36, has a huge buffet of single gay men. Well, the all-you-can-eat buffet in Los Angeles has served me nothing but seven heartbreaks, a mountain of therapy debt, and a chipped tooth. The chipped tooth is your fault. His family talks about him like they are never sure he has been on a date. Like, <laughs> even though they know that it has been true and they make comments like, yeah, these boyfriends never last, the concept of him going on a date is so thrilling to them. And it's like, no, 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 you shouldn't be excited that he has a date. Like, he has clearly done that a bunch. Like, Fine if you want to be excited about him being in a relationship. But they react to him going on a date like he's 12. They really do. Like, I'm not sure. Is he the oldest or the youngest? Or who's to say? It doesn't really matter. But they're just very much like, oh my goodness, we thought you were going to die alone. We're so happy. I'm like, y'all are very invested in this. But so yeah, like you said, Michael Urie is dating this cardiologist. I didn't catch his name. He looks like he'd be named like Christian or something. Or like Clint. Grant. And he's very happy in this relationship with his sexy cardiologist. And he's going to bring him home for Christmas until his best friend is working on a house and the wife is there and then the husband comes home and it's the boyfriend. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so Christian is married to a woman and has children. I love that Nick is a task rabbit. I gotta say, didn't know that was still a thing. I didn't either. Did TaskRabbit pay for this movie? The amount of times they say TaskRabbit in this movie. See, I would believe they didn't just because it's kind of funny. It's not like Subway into all the boys. <laughs> but there were so many times it's like, okay, we get it. He worked with TaskRabbit. I'd believe it either way because it is also just funny that he is a TaskRabbit. It's a funny phrase. Like, he is like so bouncy and enthusiastic about it that he's like evoking a rabbit kind of thing. But he's also a writer, so I guess he, like, writes and then tasks Rabbit to pay the bills? Well, his book is a massive success, but I think to pay the bills and also just, like, for something to do. It sounds like he was a task rabbit before the book was published, too. And he's a handy guy, so, like, he was already, like, going around. He just likes helping people. He is. He is. He's great. Nick is great. And so this is when they, after the breakup with the, the cardiologist boyfriend, they hatch the plot... To pretend to fake date. Because he's already, uh, Peter has already, like, all but told everybody, like, I've got a surprise in a way that's, like, he's bringing home a dude. Mm-hmm. He's like, I guess I gotta bring someone. And so he's, like, he basically bullies Nick into coming along with him. And it's really sweet, though, because he's like, I don't want you to stay home. I don't want you to be here alone for Christmas. Come on, hang with the fam. His family knows Nick. So. They do. Yes. They have to go in and say, well. like. Now we've realized we have feelings for each other rather than a situation where they're meeting him for the first time, which I thought was also fun. Yeah, it was a a good twist on it. So they show up, but like never even activate the plot. Which makes me mad because I was ready for those hijinks. No, instead they like walk in and the mom is like, oh, I thought you were bringing a boyfriend, but I'm so glad you just brought Nick instead (laughs) because I've got a date for you. For Christmas, I got you a blind date. Weird thing to do, mom. Uh, okay. My parents have, before I came out, my parents did ask me a lot. Do you want us to find a wife for you? And I'm like, please stop asking this. Like, even if I were straight, please stop asking this. This man is probably genuinely the first gay person she has met in this town. Probably. Other than her own child. And he doesn't even really live in the town. He's Boston-based and is there for the season. Right. It's not that far outside of Boston. He'll be, like, he can still be around, like, afterwards. Yeah, they said it's like, it's like 75 minutes to Logan. But, and, okay, which is, I'm just, again, I'm just mad that I'm like, y'all could have gone through so many hijinks, hiding in closets, running around, trying to pretend like y'all were still boyfriends, but just dropped it right off the bat. Come on. This is the only thing I have on this movie. Obviously. Yeah, this movie could have used more shenanigans. That's where Jennifer Coolidge came in. Right. They did place all the shenanigans into Jennifer Coolidge rather than in the actual romance. Like, Peter's not even clumsy. What's that about? Like, he didn't fall once. He's not handy, though, and you're right that, like, frankly, a lesser movie would have shown him falling while skiing a couple of times. (laughs) And having the blind date catch him. 
multiple times. But that would have been a lesson. And then say something like, looks like you're falling for me. (laughs) Write that down. Put it on the Google Doc. (laughs) But yeah, they, uh, again, like, the blind date is fine. The blind date, he's a nice person, which is, okay. Oh, the, is the date part of the first point? Uh, the date's not really part of the first point. Like, the person, James, the blind date, he's, like, he's a good person. He's a total Baxter. Like, he is a perfectly nice guy. Exactly. Who just doesn't win in the end because Peter would rather be with Nick. Right. And he, it's a, I like that he wasn't resentful or anything either. Yeah, which I think is easier because the stakes for, for this are always kind of low. Like, even when they're having a really nice time and they clearly like each other, they both know, like, Peter's going to go back to Los Angeles. That's true. And they couldn't, I mean, like, he's going to go back to Boston and it's like, oh, if it works, like. Yeah. I think they both go in with low expectations for the longevity of their time together. Which, even though they start to. And James especially starts to, like, really feel something there. That still helps it out because he's like, I didn't really think this was going to go anywhere anyway. Right. Still a perfectly nice, very hot guy. I do have hot in capital letters. I appreciated his comedy Cena energy. (laughs) Like, he kind of, he had a little bit of that, like, John Cena when he's doing good comedy. Yeah, I can see that too. Mm -hmm. Also, him as the yoga instructor (laughs) for Kathy and Jimmy. He's like... And spin. And spin and ski. Oh, my goodness. If I was going on a blind date, I would not want them to show up right after I had taken a spin class. Yeah, like, he should have. I guess he's hot enough to pull it off. Yeah, you'll forgive him. I do love the conversation they have later where he's like, yeah, you'd make, you'd do great in L.A. You would do amazing in L.A. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, Uh, I mean, there's a lot of talk about how hot people are. There's the line where they talk about Nick and Peter moving to New Hampshire, where they say, Nick is hot, Nick's a 10, and Peter's a 10 in New Hampshire. (laughs) So, point number one, they're there. They were going to fake a romance. They don't have to fake a romance. And then the blind date came up. Point two is where things really get quite saucy, where you start to see how much the family wants them to f***. Like, oh, pardon my language. But um, I think this is the pipe discussion with the dad that Nick has this whole, so dis- uh, this whole discussion with the dad where the dad ended with kind of saying, you were the first person that Peter introduced us to that stuck around. But he also says, you're the first person Peter introduced us to that meant something to him. And mm-hmm. I'm like, Peter mm-hmm. didn't have any friends? No, <laughs> apparently not. Like, that meant something to him is such a low bar. I mean, okay, he came back home for the holidays and didn't see any, like, old friends or anything. I guess that's true. Yeah. I mean, they could also have moved away. I mean, how small is this town? Like, it seems everyone came quite small break. if he knows <laughs> the snowplow man. I can't believe Christmas Carol took down all your Britney posters. I can't believe you ended our relationship without consulting me first. Our relationship hadn't officially started, so... Yes, it had. In our agreed-upon fictional backstory, it absolutely had. And then you went and endorsed the idea of me going on a blind date. As if we were looking for a third. But yeah, the family is, like, really into wanting them to be together. Especially Peter's nieces. (laughs) Who are, like... (laughs) vaguely teenaged. It's not clear exactly how old they're supposed to be. They are very invested, and I like that at the beginning, they act like they're invested because of the drama. Like, it's very teen girl, where they're just like, we need something to entertain ourselves, and this is the gossip we've decided to investigate and pursue. We're gonna be in Grandma's house all holiday. Give us something. I mean, I'm very used to the idea of teenagers deciding that there is gossip that they want to be invested in. I have told the story on this podcast about students who convinced themselves I was dating another teacher. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're a kid, you don't have any money. All you have is gossip. That is your That's currency. That's the currency. <laughs> I think it gets a bit weirder once the adults start getting involved. Yes, once Peter and James go on a date and wind up at his sister's pub... And his sister, like, walks a plate with, like, a burger and ketchup. Even better. Into James and, like, gets it all over his shirt. And I'm like, what's your your game plan here? That James is going to take off his shirt and be hot? How is that going to end this date? No, even better. Like, the family called and was like, they're on a date at the pub. Do something now. And I'm like, y'all are... I think that's as hijinxy as it got. The family being meddling. But also, if he had taken off his shirt... Sorry, he I'm would bad. have been denied service. I was fully expecting it, and honestly, a little disappointed. Yeah, I was I was kind of hoping it would happen. 
And then Peter would have had a moment of like, oh, look at those ads. Like that scene in um, Crazy Stupid Love where, where Emma Stone's like, you're not real. That's photoshopped. Those ads have to be photoshopped. So, yeah. So, there's a bunch of uh, hijinks as the family tries to push Peter and Nick together. Right. A lot of that focuses in on the Christmas pageant, which is directed by Jennifer Coolidge, whose big theater credit is that she was the understudy to Ellen Green in Little Shop of Horrors. I do like that they specified it was Ellen Green. Because I thought the yeah. joke would be, it's not even Ellen Green. Like, it's just some other off-off-Broadway production. Because being an understudy for Ellen Green in Little Shop of Horrors means that she actually was talented. Right! She yeah. knew Howard Ashman. She's qualified to be this director. <laughs> yeah. So, one of the things that's going on is, like, her Christmas pageant, Jesus H. Christ! Exclamation point, is going poorly because, one, the kids are not super invested, and two, she screams at them all the time. And so... Peter and Nick are called upon to salvage it and spend a lot of their time being crafty, like making costumes and <laughs> building sets. And the montage is poorly done because you see them building the stable set and then putting up the stable set and, and then, then building the stable, stable set because the montage is not well edited. And during that time, they're spending a lot of time together and like getting cute with each other. And so those teen daughters who are in it are like, yeah. heck yes, I'm going to dress up as a sexy donkey. <laughs> and sexy Mary. <laughs> I would like to point out, these two men live together. They spend plenty of time together. I don't think forcing them to spend more time together would do it. I guess the idea is to keep them away from James. And that's part of it. But yeah, it's like clearly just spending time together is not what's needed here. I guess it's like spending time together, but also like around the family to see what you'd be like if you were part of the family. So that becomes a big part of the manipulation where whenever he's on dates with James, the teens are like sneakily taking photos of Nick with different members of the family, like being cute and part of the family and just sending them to Peter to be like, look, Nick, Nick looks pretty good as part of the family. Look at that. Look at that. One of my favorite things is that the nieces, they both fall asleep in Peter's bed, so he has to, quote, quote unquote, fall asleep, uh, so that he has to go sleep with Nick in, uh, in his bed. And I'm like, oh. I really wanted them to do head-to-toe sleeping, just to make sure nothing was going on. <laughs> I do love that they, like, woke up and were like, we did it. Yeah, we're sneaky as hell. And I, I did feel like that was actually a good plan. Look at that. I mean, manipulation, obviously, but I'm like, that's, that's some a teenage girl. Mind games. The other big thing that happens in this period is the photo shoot. <laughs> because oh, Peter's God. job is something advertising-y. And he, at the start of the movie, as we said, is overseeing a sexy Santa photo shoot for what seems to be gay shaving cream. I don't think Spelled R-A-A-Z-R. Yeah, it is. <laughs> R-A-A-Z-R, gay shaving cream, razor. And he gets a phone call saying they hate the campaign they came up with. You have to come up with people now before the launch on Christmas Eve. To which I first say, why would you launch a Christmas-themed ad campaign on December 24th? It's outdated two days later. It makes no sense. You launch your Christmas ad campaign in November. Those sexy shaving cream Santas should have been months in the public eye by that point those should have been sexy shaving cream men vaguely evoking like Valentine's the new year's Day. baby but hopefully not in a creepy way they would probably be in yeah as i was saying it i realized there's no way to do it there's no way for that not to be creepy but so anyway peter is like this is insane you cannot demand this like it's december 23rd studios are closed, agencies are closed, I cannot put together another photo shoot. And they're like, well, you have to do it. And I'm like, well, this, this seems unreasonable. But so what he does is he takes Nick and they go outside and he does a shaving cream photo shoot with his iPhone in the backyard. He has none of Sean Baker's even like minor appendages to the phone. Nope. But apparently these are good enough. They were, I mean, he was in portrait mode, I guess. He's just, he was, you can see that, because I was checking to see if he was focusing at all. They also do just end up on Instagram, so the quality yeah. doesn't matter that much. So he does that, and like they share some like deep eye contact. It's very significant. He does that. He's like, now do the fog breath at was the camera and make so eye contact weird. with me. And it's, like, <laughs> it's very weird. But then that night, Peter goes on a date with James, mm -hmm. and... He hears the whole time talking about Nick. Right, but then also he hears that 
the razor company really liked the photos and like, could he get some more? So he has James do a sexy shaving cream thing. And when James does the like cold air breath picture, he and Peter do not share deep eye contact afterwards. He doesn't feel the same way. It's not as, it's not as deep. This is a bad ad campaign. Very. Again, I wouldn't, I, I didn't even know it was for shaving cream. Do you guys use different shaving cream? And this is just a thing I don't know about. I use an electric shaving. Yes. So, no. Let me look this up real quick. Gay <laughs> shaving cream. <laughs> yes. I'm like, am I missing something? We got a gay man's guide to manscaping, gay shaving with razor and shaving cream in the bathroom. Oh, that's a stock photo. That's a stock photo. How do you know he's gay? Yeah, we got we to gotta see that. We, we got to know how the dude is gay. Open the picture. If his dick is just hanging out. This is just a person. <laughs> this is just a man, young gay shaving. I mean, like, I guess, you know, a gay person doesn't necessarily look different. Yeah, and we should we're reco- just people, We will. should recognize that. Wow. But there is, like, nothing specifically gay about this stock photo. <laughs> Maybe the model was. Gay men shaving cream. All right, stock photos. Okay, wow. so these are gay this men shaving cream photos. gay. These are two dudes, like, making out with shaving cream on their faces. Yeah, this is what I, this is gay shaving cream. I can tell this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we've solved that. So, point number three. Point number three, Nick is putting the lights on the house. He's doing a lot of work on the house for uh, the holidays. And the dad, well, the dad also makes another comment at some point about, like, I want you to stay to be our permanent handyman or something. And I'm like, that feels like you wanted to be in a throuple with you and your wife. But okay. I think he does want that. I'm pretty sure he does. But at this point, I think he's on the roof, right? Uh, uh, Nick is on the roof, and he finally admits, I do love Peter. I can't believe I'm saying this right now. And then when he finally sees Peter later, he says, I love you. My feelings aren't platonic. And Peter goes, uh, and that's about it. (laughs) He does say, I can't lose you as a friend. Yeah, because Peter is kind of implied slash admitted. He has the same feelings for Nick, but is too worried about losing the friendship to pursue it. And when I think about it, what do I actually have in L.A.? I, I, a job I don't love, an overpriced apartment, an overpriced car. I mean, sure, there are people that I like in L.A., but you're the only person I love. Yeah, also, you have to find another roommate, and that's a pain. Like, uh, I mean, gonna... are, would they be roommates? Yeah, no, why if, would if they, they then... like, broke up. Um, oh, yeah. But, like, fingers crossed they don't, because it's love. So then... I think that goes straight to point number four. That does go straight to point number four because that love of confession is interrupted by James for their date that night. And they're having another date where James... They go on a lot of dates and not a lot of time. They said 10 days that he's there. But that's 10 days, including some days after Christmas. Yeah. Like, they're when they show up, it's like four or five days. No, it says 10 days to Christmas when, they, when he arrives on okay. the Santa guy. Wow, going home on the 15th? Cool. Wow, I wouldn't. I mean, I am going to be out of the office. This may be weird to tell you, but um, my family has always had this thing where they think that Nick and I are supposed to be together. Which is weird because here I am on an actual date, a third date with you. Maybe they're onto something. What if you and Nick have an undeniable connection that everybody can see but you? Yeah, but don't you have one of those friends that everyone assumes is your boyfriend? Hmm. No. Anyway, point being, at this point, this is when they're having the conversation about him being hot enough for L.A. (laughs) And uh, Peter is telling James, you should do it. Jump in. No fear. So part of this is, this is also after the Christmas pageant. Mm -hmm. So James comes to the Christmas pageant to, like, see what Peter has been working on. But the whole time, Peter and Nick are on the side watching it, and they're, like... Canoodling. They're, like, on top of each other. They aren't taking off each other's shirts, but they're, like, they're just ready like... to slide their hands inside each other's shirts. <laughs> they're just, like, you know, wrapped around each other on the side, watching it, like... Whispering totally. secrets into each other's ears. Totally platonically. I don't know what you're talking about. They are just roommates. Just, like, throughout they're, history, oh God, they were men have always lived together as roommates. <laughs> Oscar Wilde had a roommate. Written close personal letters admitting their love. Just roommate guys being dudes. So after the show, James goes to tell them like, hey, you guys did a really nice job. And that's when Peter is like, oh, they loved the the photos. You should go to LA, be a model. Like, do it now. Jump Jump in, strike while the iron's hot. And then James turns it on him being like, we're not a match. You should go run after Nick. Jump in. No fear. 
Also, Peter has decided to move back to town at this point. So he is like trying to be with James. Right. And so then when he tells James to go to LA, James is like, oh, so like, even when you imagine yourself moving back to New Hampshire, you don't really imagine me as a part of it. But. But while this is happening. Meanwhile. Nick is at home sad because he's admitted his feelings have been shut down. So he's looking for he gets a flight and then has enough time to pick up a task rabbit beforehand <laughs> so he like backs it all back and leaves script. a note and then it's just like i'll just go paint a house real quick before i go okay. so first of all if you're the kind of person who hires task rabbits don't at 3 p.m on christmas eve hire somebody for three hours of painting uh, rude I mean, hey, he put it out there. Someone accepted. He's going to be paid. That's also not a three-hour job. Like, that room is a mess. That was a very big yeah. room. What happened to the walls of that hardware store? I'm guessing there was, like, shelving or something in front of it. And, like, it might, like some of it might have been fixed to the wall and the paint got ripped away. That was my guess. Like, it had one of those, like, bo- like peg hole boards that you can hang tools on. Yeah. So Nick has to go paint a whole store real quick before leaving for Logan. <laughs> before taking a flight. So this is point number five, right? This is point number five, because when he gets to the hardware store, the owner says he's selling it. Right. And, like, the last thing that needs to happen before he can sell is painting it. So, Emmett, not Emmett, uh, uh, Peter. Pete, no, Nick. Emmett's a dog. Yeah. And who should have been had a bigger role, let's be clear. No, uh, there is one dog reaction shot in this movie, and it is one dog reaction shot too many. Uh, Nick uses his Saving Emmett book money to buy the hardware store to turn into a plant store for Peter. Let's, no, it's a bizarre reveal. Let's, That's not also not what happened. Yeah, it's also rent. He is well, rent, paying for okay, six so months of rent up front. I feel like buying it is even crazier than that. That would have been. Right, it's crazy enough as it is. <laughs> but yeah, so Peter breaks things off with uh, James Hunka Junk, oh. and he fumbled the bag. He goes to the pub where the after party is, and he's like, "I need to see Nick." And they're like, "Nick went to the house." So he goes to the house, and he's like, "Ah, oh, there's this note that Nick is gone." And then he's driving around, and he's trying to call Nick, and Nick is like, "I'm at the hardware store painting it." And he's like, "All right, I guess." Oh no, no, uh, he Peter's sees driving the through, rental he sees car. The car there. Yeah, yeah, he sees the rental car. Rental car. Oh. And then he goes in. And Nick's like, I don't know why you'd look for me. My location was on my phone, and here I am. I've got you six months' rent on this place. Uh, and then he was like, Peter's like, well, would you move here with me? You never asked me to. And I'm like, he never did ask him to move. But then he finally did ask him to move because they're in love. And then and they then kiss. And then they go back for family Christmas and, like, announce to the family, we're together, and kiss in front of everybody. <laughs> In book form, they announced it because he's finally written Saving Emmett 2, and it ends with Nick and Peter and Emmett moving back to New Hampshire. Saving Emmett 2, Hypercube. <laughs> and that's the end of the movie. Even the kiss in front of the family, kind of. It's so weird. <laughs> it was a bit too long. I all right, Joshua. Like... We have watched all of Single All the Way. Do you find the romance between Peter and Nick believable? Yes. Yes, I mean, what's not to believe? Roommates to lovers, ugh, it happens all the time. We just were... not with any of us who all lived together. <laughs> I, I think Josh and I never cool. technically lived together. There was that, well, like legally, oh, but wait. there was that summer. <laughs> that summer, where legally, Josh either uh, wasn't home or didn't leave his room enough that I forgot we lived together. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, like, I think it is broadly believable. I think... The family's engagement with it is over the top, which is deliberate on the part of the movie. That's their source of comedy. But when we're rating it, I think that will bring it down more than anything else would. Because the rest of it, I think, is generally plausible. Yeah, the characters themselves seem real. Like, they aren't horrible people, which is great. (laughs) And different from a lot of movies. The main thing to me is nine years is a long time. It is. It's a long time to apparently be in love with each other and not do anything and continue to live with each other. Honestly, as gay men, it, it's a very long time. <laughs> so, <laughs> like week one. To like, me, y'all, y'all to? that's the main thing that takes it down too. <laughs> okay. But okay, Josh, valid points. I am blinded by just uh, how much I love the love. But where would you rate this on a scale of one to ten? One being the least, uh, ten the most believable. 
I would rate it a seven. Okay. I think it made a few good points, but then it... <laughs> I was thinking a... I'm just saying, single all the way had some good ideas. It had some hot takes that I think we should learn from. I think a seven or eight for me. I'm going to go eight. Okay, wow. Yeah. Now, Josh, do you think that Peter and Nick are dateable? Yeah, they seem dateable. Like, again, no one's a horrible person. Even James is dateable. The like, trick is with Peter, you might get roped into a last-minute photo shoot, which actually you would enjoy. I would love. I would work it. I would be like, what? Exposure for me? You'd pull a wig out of your pants. <laughs> I was not prepared at all. Pulls the microphone out of his purse. I mean, other than, like, moving to New Hampshire. like I want to hear from Mark first. Mark, if you had to pick one person in single all the way to date, who would it be? Now, obviously... As she says in this movie, all the gays love Jennifer Coolidge. They do. One of my favorite moments is when they just... It was a great I have her say, the there's love. one thing I know about the gays. They love me, and I like it. She looked straight at the camera and looked us into our souls like, I'm here for you, gays. That much chaotic energy might be a bit much for me. You would be exhausted. You'd be exhausted by the first day. I gotta say, most people in this movie had a lot of chaotic energy. I really want her to just be, like, the exact same character, like, from White Lotus. Like, she just went home to her sisters for Christmas this year. Oh, McQuad? (laughs) Yes. After dumping her mother's ashes in the ocean. She's like, time to go to my sisters for Christmas. Put on my annual play. Uh, I think I would... Honestly, I'd go with Nick. Let's be real. Yeah. Sure. Or James. Mm. Or the dad who wants the thruple. You know? He's, he's like, wants to open up the relationship. You can tell. I do think I would go with pub sister. <laughs> yeah. I think she has a little bit of wild energy, but I think is a little more restrained than a lot of the other family. So I think that we could match that level to a decent amount. Oh, fuck. Owning a pub seems cool, so I could do that with her. It feels like a good move. She knows what she wants. She's like, tell mom I don't want another one of those signs for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, pub sister for me. Josh. Uh, oh, oh, let's see. Uh, again, like too, uh, too much chaotic energy coming from Jennifer. I'm going to go with James, even though we never got to see his shirt taken off. I'm, I well, you would there. in that circumstance. Those cobblestones I'm sure he's got under there. I think it's pretty obvious Peter and Nick are going to stay together. I think yeah, so. Yeah, they've, they've made already it nine lived years. together for nine years. <laughs> they already have a book about them being together with a dog. Can't come back from that. Now, Josh, a lot of the movies we cover have been adapted into stage musicals. And I want to know, should Single All the Way be turned into a Broadway musicale starring Jennifer Coolidge? Absolutely, yes. But I would like Jesus H. Christ to get that bigger role of Jennifer Coolidge putting on her play. I think I would run it to be just Jesus H. Christ on Broadway with the behind the scenes of Single All the Way being the... I don't think Jesus H. Christ can support more than like 15 minutes (laughs) of story. I do think that this move should be turned into a musical for the one number that is Jesus H. Christ that is the (laughs) second act opener. So you do it as a play, but just with this barn burner at the start of act two. I think that you could do music otherwise, but that's the moment where everyone goes to see the show to see Jesus H. Christ. Sure. You could Jennifer Coolidge needs a song about how the gays love her. That would be her tentpole number. LGBT. You could also do you could also do the credits song, which is sung by the plow driver yeah. as the closing <laughs> number of the musical single all the way. Like it would work. Oh, that would work. He spends all year writing this Christmas song. It's pretty funny. That is that was a good one. That was a good song. All right. Well, I think I think that does it. For we've singled single all, the way. all the way to the uh, end of the show. Even though they stole our idea. We had a pretty good time. We did. Look out for Single All the Way 2, Homo for the Holidays. Next week, we will be covering one of the prototypical holiday romance films with the 1945 classic Christmas in Connecticut. It was not released in Christmas, but instead right around VJ Day. Until then, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Love the Love Pod, and you can email us questions or movie suggestions at lovethelovepod at gmail.com. 
Josh's face when you said that was priceless. <laughs> Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe, especially on Apple Podcasts, to help other people find the show. Okay, Josh. Last question. What's the best piece of dating advice we got Ooh. from this movie? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Have your mom set up dates for you. <laughs> Ooh, no. <laughs> um... <laughs> Don't wait nine years to tell your gay best friend that y'all are in love with each other. See, my advice was give it a nine-year trial run, living (laughs) together before initiating any romantic relationship. (laughs) Like, there wasn't even, like, a drunken night of, like, shenanigans? Come on. That's the most unrealistic part, honestly. I think, honestly, some of the best advice in this comes from James with just, like, when you realize that something is done, just end it. Like, don't let things drag on. He also does say, like, I can see you get an adorable twinkle in your eye when you talk about Nick. Oh, it's so sweet. This is such a great movie. Well, there you go. Until next time, I'm gay. And I'm a ginger. So between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about Rome. Bye! Bye. Bye.